The Outline World Dispatch. It's Thursday, November 2nd, 2017. I'm Aaron Edwards. Today on the show, I talk to Chris Glazik about the former policy advisor who's being used to screw the president. Here's the dispatch. Power. Steve Bannon dismissed him as a nobody. Former Trump campaign advisor Michael Caputo branded him a coffee boy. And Donald Trump himself referred to him in a tweet as the young, low-level volunteer named George, who has already proved himself to be a liar. George Papadopoulos, once a foreign policy advisor to the president, pleaded guilty on Monday to lying to the FBI about Russia. George is a nobody. But as Chris Glazik wrote for The Outline, George Papadopoulos's nobodiness is an asset to Trump in the investigation to his ties to Russia. Hi, Chris. How's it going? Hi, good. Chris, you wrote that George Papadopoulos is the perfect patsy for Trump. Who is this guy? Right. So, I mean, actually, it's, you know, the, he's the perfect patsy not just for Trump, but for Trump, Putin, and Mueller. So he's kind of getting it on all sides. But George Papadopoulos is a 30-year-old uh, DePaul University graduate who did like a couple kind of like fake master's degrees in the UK uh, and presents himself as a, as a foreign policy expert. What everyone likes to say about George Papadopoulos is that, you know, that he, his LinkedIn page and resume prominently feature his participation in a model United Nations conference in Switzerland, um, which would be ridiculous all by itself, except that it, it appears that he actually did not even participate in that, that like people have contacted, you know, people who ran the conference and said, we, we know nothing about this person. <laughs> and apparently he's written a little bit about uh, Greco-Israeli-Cypriot relations, and he had some kind of interest in like energy policy. But basically he was an intern at the Hudson Institute, which is a conservative think tank, and then he became uh, a researcher there. And then uh, in late 2015, he joined Ben Carson's presidential campaign as a foreign policy advisor. Then Ben Carson uh, quit the campaign, and uh, Papadopoulos found himself on Donald Trump's foreign policy team. So he began as, as an advisor for Donald Trump. He was cultivated by uh, Russian agents in the UK, we're told, and uh, essentially uh, repeatedly tried to set up a meeting between Donald Trump and Russian authorities. And it's fine if people haven't heard of this guy, right? Like, he's not someone who is very visible. No, not very visible at all. So actually, everyone was shocked on Monday, including the White House, uh, when uh, Mueller's team revealed that they had already secured a guilty plea from this guy because uh, he was somebody who was not very prominent. Um, you know, but that's kind of the point. I mean, one of, one of the interesting things about uh, the, the statement of offense connected to the guilty plea that uh, uh, Mueller's team released is they, they quote these, these emails, you know, one of the emails saying uh, in response to Papadopoulos' suggestion that they uh, arrange a meeting with Moscow, saying, well, you know, Donald Trump can't actually meet with Putin, uh, but maybe we need to send someone really low level that won't send a signal. Maybe he was saying we need someone low level to tell Moscow no, or maybe we need some, someone low level to go to Moscow. But uh, the point was somebody who wasn't a name, who was under the radar, was needed to kind of conduct relationships, uh, conduct this relationship with Russia. So, uh, you know, that's kind of where Papadopoulos' usefulness came in. He was, he was a nobody, so he wasn't going to attract any attention. You could argue that uh, something similar has now happened uh, where he's become this kind of star witness for Robert Mueller, 
which has caught everyone off guard. Talk me through what exactly George Papadopoulos is guilty of or what he ca- or how he caught Mueller's attention. So he's guilty of making false statements to the FBI. So basically Mueller's been interviewing all kinds of people connected to the campaign and you know a common kind of prosecutorial strategy is to try to catch them in lies. So uh, what he basically lied to the FBI about was he said, yeah, it's true that I had these conversations with these uh, Russian contacts who are close to the Kremlin, but the contacts started long before I ever joined Trump's campaign, and they had nothing to do with me being part of the campaign. Then it seems that he tried to, like, basically delete, like, Facebook messages that he had sent to people. I mean, I think he actually shut down his entire profile and then, like, shut down his cell phone. So th- there's some suggestion that he was actually caught in, like, document destruction. But uh, the, the, the Facebook messages apparently, um, along with other evidence, the prosecutors have proved that, no, actually, I mean, these contacts started after he joined the Trump campaign, and the Russians were only interested in him at all because he had joined the Trump campaign. You know, but they basically, they picked him up at an airport in July when he like landed in Dallas, and federal agents arrested him. And you know, they basically told him, "Hey, we'll give you a deal if you cooperate. Um, otherwise, you know, we've caught you in a lie, and you're going to, to jail." So, you know, there's been speculation that, you know, and this so this was months ago. There's speculation that maybe Papadopoulos has been cooperating, and maybe it's even like been wearing a wire and talking to other people in the White House. And there's all kinds of little clues in you know, both Paul Manafort's indictment and, and in the Papadopoulos guilty plea that appeared to be kind of like coded signals to people in the White House saying, hey, we know there's more. This is what we have already. Uh, you, sh- you should be worried. I think he was interviewed maybe twice, like maybe once in January and once in February. And then he was arrested. He wasn't arrested until July. Um, but then and then his guilty plea wasn't entered until October 2nd. Uh, and then was just unsealed on Monday. So, you know, I mean, the, chore- the choreography of this is quite important because, you know, I mean, it was unsealed deliberately to coincide with the announcement of the Manafort indictment. You know, so, I mean, it's not, it's not incidental that all these things dropped on the same day. And almost immediately, it seems like, unsurprisingly, the people who surround Trump were dismissing George Papadopoulos as... You know, Steve Bannon called him a nobody. Trump distanced himself from him. He said no, few people knew this low-level person named George. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and another Trump campaign aide called him, called him a coffee boy. Um, I mean, Sarah Huckabee Sanders called him a volunteer, you know, kind of dismissing him. I'm telling you that he was a volunteer member of a, an advisory council that literally met one time. So everyone's kind of saying, hey, this, this, this guy isn't close to Trump. He's nothing. But, you know, but that's kind of the point, and it's the point for a couple of reasons, because, A, the fact that he was a nobody is precisely what made him a useful go-between, potentially, between Moscow and the Trump campaign. Um, secondly, the fact that he's kind of a nobody also means that, as a first volley in kind of Mueller's investigation, he's not hitting too close to the emperor. He's, got, he's doing several things simultaneously, which, which put Trump in a very difficult position because it would be awkward for Trump to pardon Manafort for tax evasion, for something that occurred years and years ago, even before the campaign. But then it would be equally weird for Trump to like pardon this low-level coffee boy, but then not pardon his campaign chairman. So I mean, he's, he's really kind of maneuvering Trump into this difficult uh, position where, where Trump doesn't seem to have any good options. 
So can you catch me up to where we are right now with Mueller's investigation? Where does this place us um, in the context of what Mueller's been gathering and what his case looks like right now in the investigation? I would say, you know, I mean, I, I would encourage people to look at Monday's events kind of not from the standpoint of, you know, building a case for an investigation, but as a kind of political gesture to try to protect and frame and insulate the investigation from interference by the White House. You know, there is already enough evidence that has been made public to bring charges against the president for obstruction of justice. I mean, that's just undeniable. Um, there is likely already enough evidence in public to bring charges against campaign officials for violating the Logan Act, which bars you know, uh, citizens from negotiating with foreign powers. The, the questions right now are not so much evidentiary. We have a lot of evidence. The, the, the question is, how do we feel about that evidence as a country? Um, you know, how does Congress feel about that evidence? Uh, and so you know, we're kind of now involved in this, what will likely be a, a month-long game of trying to either, you know, tilt the country towards impeachment or tilt the country against Mueller's investigation. So, you know, I would guess, actually, you know, everyone's kind of been saying, oh, Mueller's, you know, working so quickly. I would not be surprised if this were actually the last that we heard from him for, for quite some time. And when you say a while, like how long are we talking about? Could this be something that affects the midterm elections? Is this going to be a big issue around then? Absolutely. And, you know, it's like, you know, he's absolutely thinking about the political calendar, you know, and, and, and what he's, you know, his main objective is, is to uh, preserve the investigation and, and to not uh, have Trump uh, destroy it. So what you have this week is this kind of interesting debate taking place at the White House uh, and among Trump, Trump advisors. Trump's lawyers, uh, like Ty Cobb, have been advising him to behave in a very restrained way and kind of cooperate with the investigation, don't make a big deal out of it. Um, there's other people, like Steve Bannon and Roger Stone, who seem to have just been giving interviews uh, to Vanity Fair today, who are saying that Ty Cobb is an idiot, that Trump's lawyers are leading him astray, they don't understand that this is war, and that he's basically now if he does nothing, is putting himself on a path to impeachment. So I, I, in that dispute, I, I happen to agree with, with Steve Bannon and, and Roger Stone. I, I think that uh, Trump's policy of kind of like not messing with Mueller has not gone very well so far. And I think every day that he waits, it's going to get harder and harder to get rid of Mueller. What's next for George? I I feel like we haven't really heard much from him. You mentioned that he you know, got rid of a lot of his communications on October 25th, he purportedly tweeted a photo of himself uh, with the hashtag business. He just looks, uh, he's holding a, a briefcase and it looks like he's in London or, or somewhere uh, <laughs> with sunglasses on. Yeah. So what's up with this guy? What's what's happening with him? Well, I mean, he he is now a, a convicted felon. Um, he, he has pled guilty to criminal charges. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if we know exactly what the, what the plea deal is. I mean, he certainly doesn't seem to be in, in jail. Um, so uh, presumably he, he's not, um, uh, it's not clear whether he's received any punishment at all. Um, but I mean, presumably he's just kind of back to the grifting game and <laughs> trying to sell his, uh, you know, foreign policy expertise when it comes to, I guess, you know, mining natural gas in the you know, Mediterranean off the coast of Cyprus or whatever. Well, I'm sure you're going to be keeping tabs on George Papadopoulos and where this case goes. But thank you for coming on the show and chatting with me, Chris. Thank you so much. Chris Glazik is a contributing writer here at The Outline. 
That's it for The Dispatch. Did you know we have a Twitter account? It's at Outline Dispatch. We share clips from your favorite segments, links to work from guests on the show, and some behind-the-scenes stuff, too. I'm Aaron Edwards. We'll be back right here in the same place on Monday. <laughs>